0: call me monday and we're like let's do it so Ms. <laughs> granlin for that but we i i knew the lord because i was like we can't in our church body thank you enough we have to take it worldwide because that's what kind of impact you've made Has this been worldwide so um so yes just as clint said check your email we've got something awesome coming up for them and we just want to just blow it out of the water and just honoring them praising them thanking them for all they've done so thank you guys thank you timulus Ooh, a low blow. Get all your friends from all around the world to come say hello right before you preach. <laughs> love all those people. There's a whole lot more of them out there we love too. We love all of you. Ooh, I'm excited to preach today. Don't have to sit in a chair. I, I feel like that we've been in a great season. I feel like we're... Honestly, in one of the most clear seasons of direction I've ever been a part of in a community of believers. And what I mean by that is, oftentimes, you're always feeling like the next piece, or even feeling pieces down the line, steps down the line. Like, how do we work towards those? But it was like the Lord just began to to dismantle all that and just say, no, what are you here for? What are you here for as a body? And so what I'm going to share today is, is a piece of that. We've been talking about the harvest. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, and a lover of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a worshiper of Jesus, the harvest should be pounding in your heart. Because we're made for harvest. We were harvested and we're made for harvest. We're literally made to reproduce the things that God has done in our lives. And you know, I grew up in the church, those of you that don't know me, I grew up church is 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 normal life to me. I don't I don't know life outside of church. My dad's job was to go and fix broken churches. And so we just went around and, and that's what the church but I'm telling you, as I look at the church, I'm realizing the church without harvest is always on the edge of not having enough oxygen to breathe. It's, it's, not, it's made to be thinking about the heart of God for his kids. And I, I said a statement, and, and interesting enough, it's funny when you say something and someone else catches a hold of it and they're more passionate about it than you. And, and Timothy heard me say a phrase, it was a few years ago, that the Lord's not coming back for a tithe, not for 10%. He's coming back for a great harvest. And and Timothy is on it, man. He's like, We gotta get we gotta see more than ten percent of the people that have ever lived in the world to come to the Lord. It's I, I mean, the truth is I want to raise your belief level beyond your eschatology belief to believe that God wants everyone to be saved. I'm gonna say it again. I wanna raise your belief in the goodness and the love of God more than even your eschatology belief. And to say that the Father is in pursuit of the whole world. And He is looking for you to be the laborers, for you to be harvesters. And so we're going to just dive into how that happens a little bit today. I'm going to go backwards and then zoom forwards. But before I do that, I have to prophesy over someone because I actually had a dream about someone two weeks ago. So uh, this is... Genevieve's painting, no one mentioned it. so It's beautiful and lovely. And it's actually anointed. As you were painting, it just started messing me up. But um, but your husband is Aaron, right? We're friends on Facebook now. I friended you. Um, So can you stand up? I actually had a dream about you two weeks ago. Um, I think it was the week that maybe y'all were supposed to be here. It was a Saturday morning. I woke up and and funny enough, I didn't know exactly what you looked like. I had an idea, but the Lord said, "This is for Aaron." Even before I started dreaming, and I saw a, a fire on the inside of you, and uh, and it was so awesome. It was it was such a specific fire. Like, and there was a whole group of people that needed this fire, and I saw it like being cultivated in you, and and like burning in you, and and I just want to say what I'm not saying, like that you're not on fire, because I'm about to say that there's this fire and it was all on the inside and all of a sudden I saw it was like in a clay pot. And and you've even wondered like what's this fire? When's it gonna get out? But then I, I immediately was like I was standing with the three hundred that were with Gideon. And there was this they all had this fire in a pot. And it was time to break the pot. So that the fire, whoa. So that the fire was gonna come and it was actually gonna dismantle the armies of the enemy. And the Lord says, I've been building a fire in you, son. And you've been, and the enemy's been lying to you and saying, you're not doing anything, it's not valuable, it's not worth it, and it's not gonna make a difference. And the Lord says, it's ready to break the pot. I'm ready to break the pots. I'm ready to break off, the and the fire is going to bring such chaos to the enemy. It's literally going to bring chaos to the enemy. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you these three things. The fire is your personality. It's your type. It doesn't have to match anybody else's fire. I feel like all 300 were a different body type and a different personality. And the Lord says, I need your fire. I don't need it to match anybody else's because there's people that are only going to be drawn to your fire. And so the Lord says, today, I'm not saying one day in the future, as you stand there, I'm telling you, the pot is broken. The fire is out. The fire is released. And and, I'm, and there's going to be people this week, I'm just going to go for it here, that are coming to you to say, what's going on? What's happening in your life? And why? Do I have to why am I being so drawn to you it 's because of the fire and 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 just how I felt in the dream too because since I feel all these weird things in the dream, I could feel the father 's pleasure about it. I could feel his pleasure even in your patience, I could feel his pleasure in your patience because you 're like oh we 're going to have ten thousand no we 're going to have three hundred and you 've seen you 've seen the the sculpting down of what it's going to be. But the Lord just says, it's in my pleasure that you're going to walk in this. So we just bless you now. I literally use my voice as the trumpet to say it's time for the fire. It's time for the fire to come out of you. I feel like it's a big old mixture of prophetic and art and music and even... I don't know if you do computers, but some computer stuff in there too. And just a whole, it's a big old wad of, of what looks like spaghetti. But it it's, truly is. It's so unique that people are going to come from different areas to be drawn to it. So we just bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I could just keep going. That was crazy good. The Lord's let me get my bearings because y'all played all my friends before I got up here. I want to talk to you today about the process of how God prepares us for harvest. See, I started a month ago. I started by, listen, no one gets the pass. We have to love. We have to love. We have to love ourselves. We have to love the body of Christ. If we don't love those two things, we'll never love the world. You know, we've been taught taught to love the world, pursue the world, but I've, I've found that the body of Christ hasn't loved themselves, and they haven't loved each other, so why would they love the world? And so we talked about that a month ago, and then Elizabeth and I just began to have conversation in front of you, honestly, just about what's it look like to pursue people, love people, go after people. and And I want to tell you again, please watch last week, because we did a lot of saying what we weren't saying. Because I think sometimes when we talk about evangelism, we talk about outreach, there's all these things that people connect to it that actually destroy the the invitation of God just to say, hey, Elmer, would you overflow? You know, what what outreach program are we going to do? Overflow. That's what we're going to do. We're going to need you to overflow to your neighbors and your co-workers and your family members. That's what Harvest looks like. And then the world. If you'll start here, I promise you, there could be a day you stand in the nations going after harvest. But but I also believe there's a process that God wants me to talk about today because if, if, if we don't understand what God is doing in us, then harvest honestly become, can become like the word revival and just something we put out there that we actually never pursue. I've seen it my whole life. See, again, I grew up in the church. I've been hearing them talk about harvest my whole life. And the truth is we haven't yet seen a full harvest in a generation that radically shifts the next generation. I Everybody mean, just nod your head. That has not happened. You know, the, the church is right now in America is, is full of love and passion to Jesus, but I'm going to tell you it's not growing. That's a reality statement. Why? Because people aren't understanding that it's not about these Sunday gatherings that's going to catch people. It's about your lives. It's about your lives. And, and so how do we get in this process? And so in, in, in Matthew 21, it's King James, Deb, by the way. Uh, I'm, Deb and I are on the fly here. I've been writing some stuff down while we were in worship. But in, Ma- in Matthew 4.21 and, and Luke one nineteen, it's the passage where we've been reading out of Luke 5. It's the parallel passage where Jesus was calling His disciples to be fishers of men, right? He's, he's specifically calling Peter and Andrew to be fishers of men. But there's a phrase that has not been able to escape me. And it's, and it's in these verses in, In I think it's Mark one nineteen and Matthew 4.21, where it says that they were mending their nets. When Jesus was speaking and He came to talk to them, it says they were mending their nets. And and it seems so simple when I read it the first time, but the Lord just began to speak to me. He like, I'm mending the nets of the church right now. And actually, it, in a conversation... We were having with Pam one day in the office. I just said, "I feel like the last season of this church, this body of believers, has been about mending nets. He's literally been mending us together and and make, and, and fixing. Why? Because he has harvest, and the Father always prepares for harvest. I remember years ago we were sitting with an evangelist and, and from England, and he said this. He said. There's the church in England is crying out for revival, but they don't know what to do with, they won't know what to do with it when God gives it to them. Because they got holes in the nets. And I'll never forget that. And I've just been thinking about this process of mending and being prepared. And I believe this, that God is preparing us right now for harvest. He's preparing your personal lives. And so I'm going to talk in twofold today. I'm going to talk about you personally, and I'm going to talk about us as a community of believers. That they're both we're both made and we're both being mended together right now, and and so I begin to look into the to the Greek word, and every now and then you look up a word and it means like mend, you know, like seam, seam, you know, like it's not like something earth shattering, but the word mend right here is really incredible word in the in the Greek because they really don't have a proper translation for it in the English. The best way to describe it, and every now and then. They had such a word. They were like, well, what's God doing in their lives? Like, well, He's mending. But what's that mean? What's it mean to be mended? What's it mean? And, and I just want to say this. I wrote a few things down. That we have to understand for personal harvest in your life, you have to allow the Lord to mend you. For personal harvest. See, sometimes we put this big piece of, man, there's worldwide harvest and there's harvest... But we have to understand we have to, we learn how to be harvesters by what happens in our lives. You learn how to be harvesters as you harvest the goodness of God in your life. The reason we were all singing this today about, I love you Lord, and you know, of your goodness, sing of your goodness. Why? Because we were literally harvesting the goodness of God in our lives at that moment. And, and, and how he does that is he begins to teach us and we were actually what we don't know is we were building strength in ourselves as we were harvesting. And, and God is wanting to teach us how to, how to harvest what he's doing in our lives so that it come, cause if you have full barns, it's easy to give. If you have empty barns, I mean that's biblical principle. Empty barns are in times of famine, but times of harvest, then you have more to give out. And so God is wanting us to understand there's like personal harvest or mending that He's wanting to do in us so that we know how to carry what He's about to release. See, I feel like He gave you that word today, Aaron, because you're totally ready to do it. He's like, He's been mending you and making you ready. And today's the day. And there's all of you have those moments where He's mending you He's mending you so you can harvest. It's one thing like to know about the love of God. It's another thing to harvest it into your life. where all of a sudden like, God loves me. And it's unshakable. Or you know He's provider, but then you harvest that place of provision. Or you know He's healer, but then all of a sudden you harvest that place. Why? Because it can't be stolen from you then. Then you're an owner. When you harvest something, you then own it. And I love, Proverbs says, it says to buy truth and never sell it what you harvested don't don't sell give it away for free give it away for free and he's wanting us to understand that and so i want to talk to you about some ways that god mends us and i'm just going to use some of the scriptures where this this greek word is used y'all y'all with me y'all know where we're at here okay cuz i don't always like to talk a lot about greek it's really not that fun um but i i also want to say this that mending is required for harvest. Remember the story in Luke 5, the very nets that they're mending in Mark, Mark 1 and Matthew 4 are the, the nets that harvested where it took so much that they had to bring the other boat and the other people to come bring it in. It's the same nets. So we have to understand that mending is part of the process. Mending is part of harvest. So if you're like, man, I'm ready for harvest, then say yes to the mending process. Say yes to what God is doing in you. Say yes to, man, learning how to swing the sickle. Say yes to those things and all of a sudden you're going to recognize, man, there's so much harvest around me. And, and so we, and I just want to remind you, this is supernatural. What I'm talking about right now is supernatural. If you're new with us, I'm not talking about a program of evangelism, even though we're going to teach people if they want to know how to share Jesus but I'm really not I'm talking about the goodness and the good things that God has done in you are so precious that you want to give them away and it's really it becomes not optional like I, I have new neighbors it's not optional that they hear the gospel it's not optional that they know about Jesus and and I, I we've always felt that way but I can tell we're in a new season when the lord was like go over there don't let them move in and not say hello, Why? because I've put them right next to you for a reason. See, we, we have to understand it's supernatural what God is asking of us. So everything I'm about to talk about is supernatural. Only God can do it. How many have places in your life where you were a mess and you are no longer a mess? because of Jesus? See, that's supernatural. If we don't remember that, if we think, "Well yeah, I just got in there, I worked hard and learned how to, no, that's not how you did it. The power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus came and transformed your life. That's why we wrote out there, we're a transformed people equipped to transform our world. Because we have encountered Jesus and it's changed us. So three things, and we'll see how we do here, about personal mending. The three areas, I'm going to give them to you before and then we're going to go. The first one is that He wants to repair you. It's one of the ways that mending is is talked about. He wants to strengthen you. I and mean, we you know we're gonna need that if harvest is coming. And he wants to put a new song in you. so what does that have to do with it? It's everything. Because if you're singing your old song, it's not worth hearing. I'm gonna say it again. If you're still humming your old song, it's not going to bring harvest. And those three areas are I are, I just want to show you scripturally how the Lord does that. So turn with me to Galatians six one all those of you view online, hopefully you have your Bible on your couch. Here we go, we're gonna rev them up. It says, brothers and sisters, if you have the new NAV, it says, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. The word restore right there is to mend. You should mend them gently. So the first thing I want to show you is this. In this scripture it's so clear that that the first thing is that sin still wants to catch us and affect the harvest in our lives. And and if you're new with us, like we don't always talk about sin in here because we have the answer to sin. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the answer to sin is really just the case. Sin is the is what the enemy wanted to put on us as God's people, so that it would keep us from the truth of who we are. Yes? I want to take sin out of just bad behavior, and I want to put it in the concept of, it's what the enemy tried to create to create separation between you and God. And sin, it says if anyone is stuck in sin, then restore him gently. Mend him up. And I want you to understand that there's a place of being mended there's a place of being made whole that God is preparing. But it requires you, it's interesting, it says if any of you are spiritual, what he's saying is if you're supernatural, you're going to catch on to what's going on in people's lives. And and, if, and, and I'm going to use uh, two examples. First of all, how we're to deal with others. If you deal with others that are stuck in patterns of sin, And you're not being supernatural in the approach to that. You're not being biblical. But I also want to talk about it just in the sense of you and Holy Spirit dealing with places in your life that the enemy is trying to bring separation between you and the Father. And that place of where he's mending and he's saying, hey, remember that time that the enemy came and stole from you and now it's hard to believe there? Yes? I want to mend you there. I want to take and I want to begin to repair you what I'm actually talking about is impossible without the Father. Because this is redemption is what I'm talking about. Where God comes in places of brokenness and pain and hurt. Maybe your parents were horrible to you. Maybe friends. Maybe strangers. We all come away with wounds. I want to tell you, the Gospel is about healing those wounds. The Gospel is about being repaired. Why? Because He's saying, "I, I can't teach you about harvest. I can't give you all these things, and then you have holes in you that the fish swim right through. And the problem is we've talked about harvest without talking about mending. And I see in this passages, they're together. They had to mend the nets before Jesus could supernaturally give them the harvest. And God is saying, I want to mend you. I want to come in there, and I want you to understand it's part of harvest. It's part of the process. It's part of me inviting you into the family. And we've been so, I think it's really been interesting. We've been afraid to talk about places where sin has come in and, and, and wrecked our lives because, we're like, well, that's not spiritual. I think the opposite is letting them in to mend you so you can be whole. God is mending His people. He always has been. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's an invitation to mending right now in this room today where you say, man, I've got stuff, I've got habits, I've got hang-ups, I've got, I've got gross sin even. But sometimes we just fail to mention that sometimes we just like our sin. And God's saying, I know I've created a way to set you free from that. First of all, it was Jesus. But then I'm going to mend you so you don't go back to it. I'm going to mend you where you have no appetite for it. I'm going to mend you where the things that led you there will no longer exist in your life. And I just want to say, if if you're thinking that's too good to be true right now, that's a lie. If you're thinking, that hasn't happened in my life, today's your day. Because that's the good news of the gospel. I like it that when they decided, what should we name this whole thing that God called it, they said, how about the good news? Not marginal news or, or news that can transform your life. It's good news. And so, it's so interesting to me that we have to catch the Lord as restorer. He's the one mending right now. He's putting you together. If you don't know what's going, in your, going on in your life, ask Him to show you where He's mending you. Because there's not one person in this room right now that's not being mended for harvest. He's putting you together. He's, he's literally finding the holes that the enemy has done and he said, "I need to make you whole." And I, I, it's so interesting. I was looking up in Mark three five. It's talking about the man with the withered arm, and it's really interesting. All three synoptic gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—mention this story, and it's talking about the man with the withered arm. And it's on the Sabbath, right? And the Pharisees bring him to Jesus, and and they're thinking they're going to trap him, right? I mean, they weren't even allowed to pull their donkey. I mean. They had some rules they couldn't do on the Sabbath, right? But a lot of them, like they couldn't feed their animals and do all these things. And they bring this man to Jesus with a withered arm, and they're like, yeah, "We'll trap him. We'll see if he loves him, he'll heal him, and if he if if he obeys the Sabbath, he won't." Well, how do you know Jesus is never going to be set up? First of all, and it, and they bring this withered arm to Jesus in Mark three, and it's also in Luke five and somewhere in Matthew. And, and it's withered up and it says Jesus was angry with the Pharisees because they had no compassion for the man. And, and I think that it's really interesting. Religion will never have compassion in the areas that you were being mended. Religion will never have compassion for it. The areas where, where the enemy is crying that, oh, you're not doing enough. You're not trying hard enough. God's saying, let me mend that area. That's just a side note. But it's really interesting. So Jesus looks at him, and, and it's one of the only times that Jesus was angry. I like that; it means he had a little fire. Jesus, not some weak milk toast walking around on Earth, he's ready to go. And He looked at him and said, "I'm going to show you how much I love this guy." He said, "Stretch out your arm." The guy stretches out his arm. When his arm is stretched out, it says it immediately matches the other it immediately matches the one of strength, the place that hadn't been broken. And that's what I want to tell you that this is what mending looks like in the kingdom. When God heals you, it matches the original intent that you were made for in life. You're not walking around with some withered arm and being like, this is the good news. And now I've got to work it out to get it to match. No, when God comes in and mends you, all of a sudden it matches. It matches the original intent that he created you for. So when the enemy says, hey, what about that? Say, I don't know what you're talking about, man. (laughs) It's so important. If we don't believe that, then we have too much faith in the process. We have too much faith in ourself doing the process. And I know y'all, some of you love the process. I'm telling you, I love the process of the kingdom. Your arm gets healed, it matches the other. Why am I saying that? Because I want you to understand that mending has lasting results and effect in your life. It's wholeness. It's wholeness to a place that no one will know you were broken. Number two. Jeez, 12, 12. Strength. I'm going to do this one quick. The other way that it's really interesting this word can be uh, translated is to be framed up. In Hebrews, I think it's eleven, uh, three in the King James. It says that the Father, by faith—which blows my mind—that God had faith, created the world, the world by His words. It says He framed it up. Now, I always get excited anytime God uses construction illustrations because I get them. Listen, without proper framing, it doesn't beautiful. It doesn't matter how beautiful the wall is; it will eventually fall down, right? When I when I first started doing tile work with Bill, we would go into these million-of-dollar houses and they had a leak in their shower, right? And and that's what we did. We did tile work. And we would go in there and we'd tear out the wall and Bill would say, keep going. Uh, I've been tearing out for days. He's like, keep going. we got to get to the root problem. We would dig behind that and you'd find the studs and they would totally be rotted out and hanging. One time we found a whole side of a house that didn't even have a kick plate. All the studs moved like this. One good gust and the whole house could have blown down. Why? Because it wasn't framed properly with the right stuff. And one of the words for mending is that God wants to frame in you the Word of God where you can hold the very things He's giving you. He wants to frame in you, put strength on the inside. There's a verse in Psalms 105, it talks about Joseph. He says, Joseph believed the Word of God and it was proved in him like rebar in his back. I love that verse because I like concrete, right? And, and, it's, and concrete's weak without rebar. You can break it up with just a regular hammer. You put rebar in it, it takes a whole lot more work. Why? The enemy can't come in and destroy what God is doing because God has put strength on the inside of you to hold the very promise. Let's put it in harvest context. He tells you, I, wanna, I want you to harvest the generation. To these three young ladies, I want you to harvest the generation. Impossible in the natural. And all of a sudden, He begins to put strength in you. And it might just look like one person in the beginning, but more strength. More strength. More strength. What begins to happen? You begin to hold the very promises of God with the strength He's putting on the inside of you. He's framing you up. He's mending you. See, where you feel weak, A lot of people love that scripture. Well, I'm weak. He's strong. He's strong because He puts stuff in you. He did not keep you weak. We've embraced that scripture so weird that we've actually just thought, well, my weakness is glory. No, your weakness becoming strength is glory. In Him. And He's putting, He's framing in you right now. He's framing you up so that you can hold. It's really interesting. Timothy and I, Run a job this weekend. If you don't know, Timothy has a little business that I do all the work for. No. <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. So. But no, we, sometimes he has things he doesn't know how to do, and so I have to show up to show him how to do those things. And I told him, hey, there's this little closet we're going to tear out. It should take five minutes. And we got there, and the studs were pink. Does anybody know what that means? Pink studs? No. No. Bill, what are pink studs? They're hurricane studs. So we had a full sledgehammer. It should have taken two minutes. And man, Timothy rode back like Babe Ruth on the things that, whoa, boom. <laughs> and literally, something that should have taken us two or three minutes with a couple of hammers and crowbars to tear out, two hours later, we're tearing it out. I'm like, what? In God's name, and the Lord told you, I'm showing you the strength of what proper framing does. Like, can you do it without costing us money? You know, like, but he was saying, it's like, I'm putting pink studs on the inside of you. The hurricane force winds cannot blow them down. I'm framing in you right now. So you might be wondering, what's God doing in my life? He's making you strong. He's framing you up. He's mending you for harvest. That's the kind of process I like. Third one. I got to do this one quick. Matthew 21. I'm gonna read it in the and this one's gonna take a little bit of explaining. But Matthew twenty one, verse sixteen says, Do you hear what these children are saying? The people are asking Jesus. They asked him, he said, Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise? The word right there for ordained praise is means to mend up. He has mended, but I love what the, the, the passion says that he has composed a song. Deb, can you throw the passion up there for me? Said, but you will never have heard these words. You have fashioned the lips of children and little ones to compose your praises. One of the ways that the word for mending can be used is to compose. That God is literally writing a new song on the inside of you. So mending is not always just about fixing you, it's not always about making you strong. And for those of you that are more artistic in the room, you'll love this piece. It's about writing something beautiful on the inside of you. That's literally made to come out. That's why I think David, when he's writing Isaiah, Psalms 40, says, you've put a new song in my mouth. What was he saying? He was like, I, I don't know what it's looked like, but there's a generation yet coming that are going to have a song written on the inside of them. A new song. David eight times says, I'm going to sing the new song. He's talking about the one that's written on the inside of him, and Jesus starts talking about this. He says, "These there's going to be a people," and it's really interesting. He's talking about children, and I've heard so many people preach about children in this, and and I, that could be right. And I've seen children lead us in praise, but most of the time I haven't seen children. I've seen I've seen new creations lead us in praise. I've seen people who are new in the Lord and new creations and understanding. That place of 2 Corinthians 5, 21 17, we're saying you're a new creation and it's written all over your life. And so you can't help but just be praising God all the time because you recognize the new creation that's going on in your life. And then all of a sudden, that becomes to be like composed all over your heart, all over your words, all over everything. So people say, why are you so different? You've got a new song that's coming out of you. See, mending is not always just about fixing brokenness, and that's where we've gotten caught in the problem of process. Process also creates beauty. Process is beautiful. And God's saying, I need to write a song on your hearts so that when people hear you singing, you're not singing your old song. I know people have been saved 20, 30 years, and or how many have ever heard this? Someone gives their testimony, it's 20 minutes about how bad they were, and one minute about God's goodness in their life. They're still singing an old song. I'm not saying that we don't tell about this, but then we tell what God has done. We tell about His goodness and His graciousness in that, and all of a sudden people say, that's what I want. So, mending, it's a new song. i to—I got to be good here. I could keep going. But I want to talk about corporate real quick because I believe that the corporate mending is where the big harvest comes. You've got to all have this personal harvest and mending going on in your lives, but then there's a place where we all come together and form a big old net. We form a net together. And so two things that happen in mending, I'm going to use two quick places where this Greek word is used in the New Testament. But the first one is this the destruction of division. And the second one is actually to be equipped. Fully equipped. We know all those, but think about it in the process of mending. God's saying, this is what I'm always doing for harvest. I'm always doing this. Now, what I've learned over 25 years of working with people and pastoring is that people don't often get along and people like certain things more than other things and then they form little factions and they hang out because of that and then the ones that they have other ideas they just treat as like civil war i'm just being real now they we can pretend like oh we just love them we just don't hang out with them but the truth is we don't love them and and it's so interesting because the scripture is full. Paul is constantly dealing with the early church and dealing with with you know separation in the early church. And he's like, "Hey, I have to explain to you that division is destruction to the church." You know, sometimes we we talk about people. We get up and we talk about offense and we talk about those things and we kind of almost make it optional. And now, if you're ready to not be offended with people. Go to those people, you know, if you're worshiping, and, and those are all, those are scriptures that Jesus is encouraging to destroy division. But we gotta to get to the reality of it. Division will keep the church from accomplishing the goal of God. The plan of God. Division in, let's just take our room right here. Because I can't fix the body of Christ today, but we're gonna do our best in this room. And if we can do that, then God will show us where we're going. But I believe this, so Paul's constantly talking about Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he already broke out the big guns. He's appealing in the name of Jesus. That all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there will be no divisions among you, but you will be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Now, the first thing I read when I think that is naturally that's impossible. To take a church like Corinth and say, hey, I need you all to be in the same vein in mind and thought and even go somewhere that I've struggled with. He's saying, I'm even asking you to agree. Not just be unified, but to agree. And he's going to show them what to be agreed on in a minute. He's saying, I need you. And I love what it says In the passion, when it's talking about being united in mind and in thought, it says, hey, I need you to have a common perspective and shared values. Having a common perspective and shared values. What you don't know is that the word for being joined together or in unity right here is mended. He's saying, I'm mending the body of Christ for a harvest. I'm mending you up together. And the one thing that will stop it is division the one thing that will stop the harvest that I want to do in a generation is division. And he's talking to Corinth and he's saying, hey, church of Corinth, I've got an idea. God wants to win the whole city. I need you to quit being divided. I need you to get mended together so that we can go somewhere and see a great harvest where we have to call other cities to come in and help lift the net into the boat. I need you to be mended together. Now, Here's the crazy thing, it's super easy to amen, and I appreciate that one. But the problem is, what do we do with the idea where Paul is talking here and he says, But here's the problem. I've already been told by Chloe's household that you're fighting. There's quarrels among you. Chloe was a snitch. No. <laughs> you know which work it must have been to send Paul a letter? They're fighting. Not us, but down. I, I just makes me laugh. There's always that one in the bunch, right? And it says, What I mean is, one of you will say, I follow Paul. The, another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And this is the, the real kicker. And still another, I follow Christ. That's the super holy in the bunch. But. I, I got to thinking about that and I'm like, what was going on in the church in Corinth? What was happening? And I just thought of these these four Ps just popped into my mind. First of all, they valued their preference over unity. Like, you just got to get over your preference. Like, if I asked how many people in here like country music, how many people like rap, Like, well, it would probably be more country in this room. But, in some buildings, it would be the other way, right? And then you're like, well, we're only having what the majority says. Preference has caused more disunity in the body of Christ. Well, I prefer this. Like I had someone call me the other day and tell me they preferred me not to preach out of the passion. I said, well, cool. When you get as much training as Brian Simmons, then we'll have a discussion. He translated the Passion. And they were like, well, one guy can't do it. I was like, well, when you get that much training, then we'll have a discussion. I wasn't being mean. I was just saying, listen, I'm not I'm not saying it's flawless. I'm just saying I enjoy it. It's my preference. And, and it's interesting how people's preferences will lead them to think they're in the truth. Like, no, well, I mean, then they'll say, well, the passion, not the word of God. Like, come on. Yes, it is. And I'm not defending the passion. I'm using it as an illustration, right? Preference. Here's the big one, though. And I think that they, some people just preferred Paul's personality to Apollos' or Peter's. They just, Let's just get real. You, like, you hear some people? Like we have guests and some people are like, oh, man, I love Dave Crone. And then the other people are like, David Crabtree, David Crabtree. Why? Because they have preference. Everybody loves Wendy Backlund. Everybody loves Wendy Backlund. You know, but what am I saying? Everybody has preference. So we have to make sure our preference is not causing division in the body of Christ. Here's, here's the other two I did real quick. Your, your, uh, position or opinion, your opinion on spiritual matters, where it becomes truth. It's your opinion, but you eventually move it into the truth category that's non-negotiable. And I'm just gonna pick on you. Like, if your eschatology is not written in pencil, then it's not written correctly. Write it in pencil. It's okay. Have an eraser. If you're wrong, just erase a little and be like, it's, it's opinion. Because even Jesus said that He doesn't know, only the Father knows. And I'm not trying to be ugly. Listen, I know that we've been in the end times since Jesus went up, up to the earth. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking, please. I know, and it, I'm specifically telling the person I've been talking to about this, I'm not picking, I'm just saying let's make sure we're not taking opinion and moving it into truth. Position. The other one, here's the big one. Platform. Making sure our political platforms aren't dividing us. It, I see it all not so much in our community, but over the body of Christ, man, I see it dividing people left and right because they, they, they would rather fight for a platform than the unity. And God's saying, I need you to understand. But here's the fourth one. Pride. The end one. We're with Christ. We're not following any of those guys. We only follow Christ. That's not right either because Paul has already taught us that we have to be walking with each other. So we have to just make sure those things aren't dividing us and keeping us from being mended. And here's the greatest way that Paul gets back to it. He says, but let's just remember that I'm going to point you to Christ. The way to not be in division is Christ. Christ in you. What Christ has done through you. What Christ wants to do in you. Christ is the central figure of where we're at. Yes? And that will keep us from division. When we talk about the things of the kingdom, I find that people have different opinions, but when you get down to Jesus, listen, anybody loves Jesus, I can be in the room worshiping in any style. Do I love him? No. Will I worship to him? You bet. As long as we're focusing on Jesus. And Paul says right here, he says, listen, listen, we gotta get back. Is Christ divided? He's saying, no way, Christ is not divided. How you understand how to get past division is to focus on the Jesus in people. Someone's personality rubs you a little bit, just focus on the Jesus in them. Bad news? Then Jesus is going to make you like that person. And then love them. But He's going to do it through the same commonality. You're going to find that, oh man, the same thing that happened to them happened to me and we got healed. Jesus is the centralizing figure. The next one real quick is that Hebrews 13.21 says that He equips us to do all good works. And it means right there, it means He, is, he has literally mended us to do the works of God. To be fully equipped. And so I, I just believe this, that God is preparing us for harvest as a body. And, and if, if you can't see the big picture of harvest yet, you're like, I just don't know. I don't even like to talk to people. It's okay. Know that you're in the process right now of personal mending of harvest on the inside of you so your barns are getting full. Your barns are getting full. If you're in here right now and you're you're listening, if you've listened to one word I said, that's a piece of grain going in your barn today. There's a harvest happening in your life, and then God's saying, then when you see that your barns are full, you'll find that you have grain to give away, and it will sustain you in energy to harvest bigger fields, others. And I I truly believe this as a bo- as the body of Christ. That if we will embrace this mending that God is doing in our generation, we will see such a harvest. I was on a Zoom call this week, and I'm going to end with this. Someone just said, I feel another Jesus people movement coming on and something in me just fired. Why? Why? Because first of all, it's what we came from. But it's also who we are. We're made to walk in harvest. I'm going to ask you all to stand up. I know I've said a lot here today. I could have done this in four parts, but I didn't want to. So I felt like the Lord just wanted me to just kind of just pour out today. You're in the mending process if you're in this room. You're a believer in Jesus today? God is, is working on you for personal harvest. He really is. We're harvesting your life where people look at your life and say, man, God is so good. How do you do that? But I felt like the Lord just wanted me to if you feel like that that the battle of sin in your life with the habits and just the you even just feel like choked out by sin sometimes you haven't known how to get rid of that I just want to tell you that there is an answer today in the submission to Jesus Christ and he will literally break the power of that sin if you've never given your life to the Lord today we're going to have some teams up here they would love to introduce you to Jesus Greatest day of your life, but I also want to throw the big gauntlet out to you today. Like, do you, do you, can you feel God's heart for harvest? Can you feel it for others? It may just right now. You can, man. We I don't know if you saw, but we took those names that you all wrote last week and we laid on those and prayed on Thursday. It got messy in our in our little pastoral time And there. We had our young leaders in there and and they got messed up. Why? Because it, it it took it from being this big global harvest to one name in front of you. What would it look like to hold this name before God? Say, God, do it. If you if you just say, man, I I want that in my heart. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand today. If you just want the big place of of the big piece of harvest where God, you say, God, just come put it in my heart today. Come mend me up. If that's you and you have your hands up, I just want to tell you that there is a Holy Ghost energy that God is wanting to give us to begin to first be mended and then harvest. And, and if you're like, when are they going to get past this? I may warn you, maybe never. Because Jesus didn't get past it. He said, hey, go make disciples. Go preach the whole, to the whole world. Go make disciples of nations. So, Lord, when you see our hands, now we're, only, we're asking what you can only do. Come move our hearts for others, God. Lord, make us like Jesus, where we see people with withered arms, and we don't care about anything else but that person being whole. Well, we just we ask for your heart. We ask to be sons and daughters that catch the heart of the harvester, the Lord of the harvest, and that we would be about our Father's business. We ask that it would be. It would be so clear when you're doing something, Lord, when you've got someone on our heart, when you're bringing someone in our lives, God. But it would also be clear when you're mending us on the inside so we can hold the harvest of our own lives, God. I ask for a twofold anointing today, God. I just bless everyone in here. I bless your families. I bless those names. Now I want you to think of the name that you wrote on that card last week. If you weren't with us, think of someone that's not a believer or a lover of Jesus yet. And I want you just to see that name and I want you to see the Lord loving them in full capacity. I want you to see Jesus hanging on the cross for them. And we just declare that now is our season of harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask the altar team to go ahead and come up. If you need prayer for anything at all today, we would love to pray with you. And Okay, and our senior pastors, Tim Elizabeth, will be at the door over by the Narnia room, straight that way. If you're new with us and would like to meet them or get to know more about us, uh, please come on by and say hello. Otherwise, we are dismissed, so have a fantastic and blessed week.